Hi loves, and welcome to the With Love Always podcast, a podcast to help you live the life you were created for. We are your hosts and your friends, Bree and Marissa, and we're so grateful you're here. We pray you listen and leave feeling more inspired, encouraged, and uplifted. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about the topic of perfectionism. We both have identified that we are recovering perfectionists, and I think this is something that so many people can relate to. And honestly, even if you don't identify as a perfectionist, I think there are going to be a lot of things we unpack that still are going to feel so relevant, especially as a female in our society. There's so much pressure on us to almost strive for a sense of perfectionism. We're going to be unpacking all of that, how to embrace being a work in progress, how to kind of reframe failure and just share a bunch of personal stories and our journeys. So I'm just going to jump right on into it. And to kick it off, I wanted to share some things we both wrote down, some ways that we feel like we can identify if we're being a perfectionist or perfectionistic tendencies. And so maybe these are things you've said internally or different things that motivate you. So just going to run through them. When you measure your self-worth by your productivity and accomplishments, you're often scared to try new things or even grow beyond current things because you might fail. So maybe you're afraid to take that promotion because you don't feel qualified. You don't feel like you're going to be good enough. You often hear people say things like you're too hard on yourself. And then you often make decisions from a place of fear rather than potential. So when you really think about it, you're choosing to to say no to something because you're afraid of the outcome. You don't know what it's going to look like. Those are so, so, so telling. Some of the signs of perfectionism I've seen in my own life or have just seen in others as well. You're always waiting for the perfect timing or perfect conditions that never actually come for you to start something. That is a very big sign. Waiting on the perfect timing, it likely won't come. Um, You're in constant fear of judgment of what other people will think, and sometimes that actually holds you back from starting something new. You procrastinate. I know for myself, sometimes my source of procrastination is because I can't find that perfect timing, or Mm -hmm. I'm literally so afraid of what people will think of me, or I literally just am afraid I won't do it perfectly, so I'm not doing it at all. And that's not good either. Um, never feeling like your work is good enough and you're always needing to improve it. And I think so often, like, you know, when you are presenting something to someone or sharing something with someone, you're like, oh, but it could be better. Like Mm -hmm. that's always your response versus celebrating what it actually is or what you actually accomplished. Always the statement that something needs to improved is usually a sign of perfectionism. Needing external validation to think something is worthy enough in your life versus knowing in yourself that something was done well. I think when we are seeking for other people to tell us that we are doing a good job, given we all need words of encouragement, but I think when we're so desperate for external validation to confirm us, it's usually a sign of perfectionism because we don't actually believe within ourselves that we're doing something right or worthy of recognition. 
people pleasing is actually a sign of perfectionism when you are so eager, kind of falling into approval and validation and the fear of judgment. When we are trying to constantly appease everyone around us, it's usually a sign of we're trying to get things into perfect order that may not even exist. And lastly, I would say the all or nothing mindset. For me, a telling sign of me operating out of a place of perfectionism is when I'm so convinced that I can either do it all perfectly or I can't do it at all. And that is such a detrimental mindset. But those are some of my signs of perfectionism. Oh, wow. Those are so convicting. Like, even with this conversation, I would love to say, and again, embracing the fact that we are work a work in progress and we're recovering perfectionists not saying that we're no longer mm-hmm. perfectionists at all because i think so many of these tendencies feel so real mm-hmm. even in present day but something i wanted us to do because i think perfectionism starts so early and it stems so deep i wanted us to just dig back and kind of identify like what has perfectionism looked like for us? And so just speaking from personal experience, I was digging into the archives for this one, you guys. And I actually was talking to my mom and she was saying that I used to honestly not do a lot of things until I felt like I was perfect at them. So even when it came to like early developmental things, even though I was like on track with most kids, I would wait. Like I wouldn't really practice even with like speaking or anything. She's Mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't really do it until you could say things perfectly or you could accomplish that task perfectly. Or you had to already know you could do it in your mind before you were even really trying. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's crazy that that was ingrained in me at literally such a young age. And I remember growing up and being in school and that was like the number one thing that teachers would praise is they would be like, you are so disciplined and Mm. you are so like, it was something that was always highlighted. And so that almost caused me to want to press into perfectionism even more because Mm. I noticed that, oh, if I do these things, it gets praised and people kind of started to expect that from me. They expected me to perform at a certain level like even this is so extreme but I remember I would sometimes like get upset with like projects or tests I would get like A's on them but I would they wouldn't be like perfect they would have deductions or like commentary and they're like instead of me seeing that as like opportunity to grow it I saw that like you mentioned seeing it very black and white of like but I didn't do it perfectly Mm -hmm. so even though I did something well it wasn't perfect and to me it was either it had to be perfect or it was failure and I just was like had this very black and white mindset. And honestly, I think I just exhausted myself in that process. I mean, that is so exhausting, especially as a kid. That's way too much pressure. And it was really challenging to unlearn a lot of those things and really just give myself grace and even just understanding like, okay, nobody else is expecting this from me except for myself. I am my harshest critic and I'm not letting myself grow and I'm so afraid of doing things and them not being perfect and that's really debilitating and it's hard and so that's kind of what my journey with perfectionism has looked and and now I finally feel like I've unlearned a lot of it Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely been a process and if you feel like 
when we are reading that list and you're like, yes, I identify with all of those. Like we are so there with you and it is so possible. That's what's so encouraging is it's so possible to reframe your mind. It's such a perspective thing, but that's sharing some of my story. I want to hear kind of your journey with perfectionism and all of that. Yeah. So my, my first recollection of perfectionism in my life is, was such a different source for me. It was not school. Um, for me, it was a lot to do with like body image and my appearance. Mm -hmm. I think from a really young age, I, didn't realize it, but I think I was receiving a lot of validation of my physical appearance from a young age. Mm -hmm. And so I remember as delicate as like my middle school years associating my sense of worth with how I looked because that was always the first thing that was commented on by other people. And so when you're young, like we really are so quick to attach ourselves to whatever is giving us a sense of worth or whatever is giving us a sense of recognition. And I remember from a young age, you know, I was really good at sports. I was really good at running. What's not much, <laughs> not much has changed. I was a really fast runner in middle school. That was my complete sense of worth. And I was also, you know, receiving validation for my appearance, even though I was young and very insecure at the time, but I took a hold of those two identities way too tightly and it spiraled into perfectionism for me. So I based my entire sense of worth off of my performance on the cross country team. And I also based my entire sense of worth in my body, how I looked, how I presented myself. And for me, that perfectionism spiraled in so many different ways. Like it spiraled into really, I mean, it spiraled into an eating disorder. It spiraled into struggling with my body image for years and years and years. It struggled even in my relationships with guys and just like how I was so desperate to receive affirmation from other external sources because I was just simply like not content with myself. And I just have seen how perfectionism, when it comes to my appearance, was truly the death of me for so many years of my life. Like I would say from the ages of like 13, 12, 13 to 20 is when I struggled the most. And I think as women, we all struggle with our body image and we all have had moments when we're insecure. We don't feel pretty enough. And I think sometimes we feel ashamed that we even like are struggling with that thought, but like, mm -hmm. I just want to speak out. There's nothing superficial or ashamed to feel about. Like your beauty as a woman is so delicate and like, not that you need to measure up to the beauty of the world standards, but to feel beautiful as a woman and to feel feminine and to feel comfortable in your body. Like it is a really big deal. And I would say my perfectionism has been so much in that area of my life. And to what you said, like, praise God, he has redeemed so much and has like literally broken the shackles and chains of the perfectionism I used to have over that area of my life. But for me, that really manifested through years of never, ever being content with my body or how it looked, always striving to thinking I always needed to change my body, always being obsessed with the way I worked out, the way I ate, like it just had so many negative implications on my life. And it was honestly something I thought I would never 
overcome. But I'm so proud to say as a recovering perfectionism that freedom is available with whatever you're struggling with in perfectionism in your life. So that has been one of my biggest pain points of perfectionism. I'm so proud of you. It's like always, I feel like so powerful hearing people's stories and being like, wow, I just like, you wouldn't know that in present day. Like, I'm so proud of how far you've come. Like, it's so sweet. It's like literally just the Lord. Yeah. Like I, I can't even believe it sometimes for myself too. So we hope that wherever you guys are at, our stories can kind of just meet you there and we can just be super honest and vulnerable. And like I said, we mentioned God has redeemed so much of this. We still are a work in progress because we are never going to be perfect. And that is just the reality of perfectionism is it's surrendering to the fact that we are imperfect, but learning to love that that's where we're at and that we are such a work in progress. And so... I just wanted to briefly, briefly unpack a little bit of what the Bible has to say about perfectionism, because that truly is what transformed our story so much. And I feel like there's a huge connection between identity and perfectionism. And so when I was kind of thinking about this conversation and just processing and even asking God, like, what do you want me to say? Like, I don't even feel like I'm fully qualified to talk about this topic and Something that I wrote down was perfectionism aims to glorify us rather than a perfect God who aims to use imperfect people to accomplish beautiful things for a purpose that's beyond our performance. And I wrote that down and honestly, it took Mm -hmm. me like a few times to almost reread what I just wrote to even process that. So I kind of want to just like lightly unpack and just say that we get to serve and honor a perfect God. And that is the beauty of it. The beauty is that he redeems us, but not to the point of us needing to be perfect. It's the fact that he can meet us in a place where we are so imperfect so that amidst like we shared the young versions of Brie and Marissa, and we were so broken and we are striving so much to get honestly, just other people's approval and get our own internal approval. And God met us there and allowed us to find freedom amidst that. And he partnered with us in our imperfections and actually used a lot of those things to allow us to carry out our purpose, which we're still very much figuring out. But he allowed us just to grow and walked with us. And that is what's been so transformative and so special. And so there were a few verses that came to mind that just kind of beautifully describe this in words that I simply cannot. And it's Psalm 1830. And it says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And I love that because it has nothing to do with our performance. It has nothing to do with what we can offer. It's about God's perfection and we can take refuge in his perfection. And I think that is just just so comforting. Anytime I'm battling the lies of perfectionism, I just think that I can take refuge, that I can literally be enclosed from those lies. And so another one is just 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
I love that. It's just kind of like what I was sharing of we don't have to wait till we're perfect or till we get it together. In fact, God loves our weakness. He gave us weaknesses for a reason, and that is where he does his best work. And so our imperfections, for me at least, they've served as a reminder of how much I need a Savior and how much I need Jesus to meet me daily in my imperfections and to really lean on Him in such dependence. And so before we unpack you know, further of what that even looks like, I just wanted us first to be reminded of our identity and who we get to serve in this and how He partners with us in our imperfections. So yeah, I think that is just like, it's such a good reminder and it's something that we just really want to instill in this entire conversation of there is no level of worth and value that your performance can add to you. And I feel like that's something that I almost like want to sternly, like as if a big sister drill into the minds of myself and into the minds of anyone listening. Mm-hmm. You are not your perfectionism. You at your very best effort cannot add any more worth than you already have because you were created intentionally. You are loved without you performing, whether you realize it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, we believe that over you so fiercely. And like, we are so passionate about this because there's nothing more than I wish the younger version of Brie had someone look her in the eyes and say, Brie, it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how your body looks. It doesn't matter how you perform on the cross country team. You are not any more loved, maybe to this world, maybe even in moments to yourself, but like God loves you the same. You cannot earn what you are striving for. And I just want to speak that out as we continue forth this conversation of the form of love, the form of accomplishment, the sense of self-worth you are seeking will never be satisfied by the things you're trying to put them in. Like it will never be satisfied by the accomplishments. It will never be satisfied by your body, by your grades, by your job, by anything other than this innate, deep sense of self-worth that can only be given to you by you or by God. And that is a promise that is something that I've learned the hard way. And that is something I will continue to trip and fall and stumble in and try to find my worth in other people and try to find my worth in things I do. But it will never add value to you. You are already valuable. So drive it home, baby. Let's go. That is so good. Yeah. And that just kind of takes us to the next section, which is how do we unlearn perfectionism? And oh my gosh, could we talk about this for hours? But again, trying to keep it very practical, very simple. A huge thing that was transformative to me was embracing failure and embracing being a work in progress. And so honestly, Brie and I both don't really believe in the word failure. I know that might seem kind of like extreme. And the reason why we don't believe in the word failure is because it truly is all about perspective. And so instead of viewing it as a failure, you can really view it as progress, practice, or exploration. A lot of times those three things go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so something as simple as like, let's say you apply to your dream job and you don't get it. You get to practice your interview skills. You get to learn what you do and don't like about that company. So that's the exploration part. And then the progress is that you're actually one step closer to what was intended for you all along. Mm. And so 
What I love is you can apply that kind of framework to anything in your life. And so it gives so much freedom when we're like, yes, we could try something. The outcome might not be what we hoped for or expected, but that doesn't mean it was a failure. And it doesn't mean that there's not so much value in saying yes to that thing or pursuing or trying that thing. And so I actually have such an example. I tell my friends this all the time and I tell myself this in dating and it goes hand in hand with perfectionism. And I think expectations that we place on ourselves, but like, I love the job interview example. It's like you applied for the job, you don't get it. That's okay. You were just practicing for the next interview and you're practicing for your dream job. Yeah. It's the same way in dating. I think we so often have like this without realizing it, perfectionism mindset of like the only outcome that is the perfect one is a relationship. But like, let's say you go on a date and you meet this guy and maybe he's like your dream guy, but then it ends up not working out. Well, it's not a failure in dating. It's actually beautiful practice, beautiful experience to be gained and is actually an experience that shows you more of what you actually want in your future partner. And I think the more that we can start with anything in our life, whether we even see perfectionism over it or not, the more that we can reframe every single failure in our life as something beautiful to gain, the better off we will be just in general, honestly. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so good. And that's something actually, I remember when my husband and I started our business together a few years back and we were just confronted with failure after failure or what it felt like looking back. It's like, we would never call any of it a failure, but it was just like things would go wrong all the time. Like nothing worked out in the way we hoped or in the timeline we hoped. And it was just kind of like problem solving, putting out fires, all of that. And I remember, I was like, honestly, just looking for advice and someone who gives like amazing business advice. If you guys are ever looking is Sarah Blakely and she's the founder of Spanx and she has such a cool perspective, but she was sharing a little bit about how she got to that place. And something that I loved is her dad would have her and her brother at the end of each week at the dinner table, they would have to say one thing they had failed at that week. So he would ask them and just say, what did you guys try this week that you failed at? And they would have to have something. And if they didn't, he was actually disappointed in that because Mm. for him, it wasn't about the outcome of the circumstance. He didn't care what the outcome was. He was going to love them regardless. He knew they were learning in the process. For him, it was about the fact that they weren't trying. They weren't putting themselves out there. They weren't letting themselves explore and do new things. And I think that is such a beautiful framework, especially to have that instilled in you at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, you can see the fruits of her life and how brave she is. And that was something where I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to fail more. Like, why am I not letting myself fail? And so when I started to embrace, quote unquote, failure, or at least what the world would define as failure, It was so freeing and honestly, it made everything so much more fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it just kind of puts that childlike joy back into things. Again, the first couple of times you do it, it's not fun. It really can be embarrassing and it can honestly stink. But the more you do it, you're like, wow, I just realized all the things I 
held myself back from. Mm. And so, yeah, is there anything like you feel like you've held yourself back from because you were just so afraid of the thought of failure? Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I think that is the scary thing about perfectionism is how it can prevent you from doing something that could also be for you. I think the fear of failure is so real. And I actually, for as much as I talk about my marathons (laughs) that I love training for, something I haven't shared before is actually how I almost never would have ran it because of my own fear of perfectionism. And I remember when I moved to LA, like, I mean, given even within this episode itself, I've shared that I ran cross country and track all throughout middle school and throughout high school. It was literally the only sport I was ever good at. And I ran off and on for years after like in college and, you know, all that for fun. But when I moved to LA, I had not ran literally in like a year. And for some, you're like, well, I haven't ran my whole life, but (laughs) I was like pretty intimidated because I just was not in running shape. And I remember upon moving, I heard about this thing called Venice Run Club and I was invited to go and I literally said no. I said no for the first month I lived here because I was like, I cannot go on a run because I'm not in running shape. I cannot. What? How do you get into running shape? You go running. <laughs> but I literally said, I nope, I'm not going to go. And this friend begged me. They were like, Brie, come on. Like, you can do it. Like, don't be embarrassed. And I literally told her, I was like, no, like, I'm not going to be good. And I'm not going to be fast. And so I'm not going to go. Mm. And I had to one day just break out of my own mind and be like, you know what? I might be huffing and puffing. I might not be able to make this entire run because I'm out of running shape, but I'm going to go and show up imperfectly anyways. And it took everything in me to do it. But I remember when I went for the first time, I was like, yeah, I was definitely out of running shape, but I had so much fun doing it imperfectly that I kept going and I kept showing up for runs that were way too long and I was not in shape for. And I ended up somehow along the way being convinced to run a marathon. And I just think that that beautiful thing that I now love and now have seen my body been made capable of doing would not have existed if I did not push past the momentary feelings of perfectionism. I was so convinced I had to go on a bunch of runs on my own before I ever showed up for run club. I was so silly. I didn't do that. And it just, I think about that often of like how held back I would have been from falling in love with what I love now. And I think even another like silly one is like surfing, which I know Marissa and I both love. Mm -hmm. I kid you not, I had my board hand over my heart for a while before I ever even got in the water. Why? Because I was so scared of being bad. I didn't want to be bad. I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of all of the surfers in Malibu who are have been surfing since they were two years old. I just, I didn't want to do it. And I literally, even the first couple times I went out, I like didn't even try because I was like, I don't want to be bad at this. And I'm honestly still not good at it, but now I've fallen in love with it because I took a chance on myself to be imperfect at, at something and took a chance on myself to actually learn something new. Like, and I think that's what perfectionism robs you of, of it robs you of the opportunity to learn something new because you think you're not yet perfect at something you've never even tried. 
And when you say that out loud, it's like, how silly does that sound? But how real is that pain? Like, it's so real. Uh, it's so real. And I just think of all the things that perfectionism can just prevent us from do mm-hmm. from doing. And the list is honestly endless. But if you're thinking that and that feels like overwhelming, it's okay because like everybody has experienced perfectionism in some form. We all have. That's part of just our human nature. And so honestly, like this year is the perfect time to start unlearning some of those things. It's not going to happen overnight, but it can happen and it will get so much easier to the Mm -hmm. point where honestly, it's hard to even think back to some of those mindsets because you just so don't identify with them. So Okay, there is so much more we would love to unpack in this conversation that we definitely will in future episodes, but we just kind of want to summarize and kind of bring this conversation to a bit of a close and just kind of conclude with some of the main points we're trying to emphasize. So one thing I really want to encourage you guys in that's very practical is to do something this week that you know you're going to fail at. Let's do the Sarah Blakely advice and just go for it. Let us know what you think it's going to be. Honestly, I have kind of fallen out of the rhythm of doing this, so I want to start incorporating this more this year. So we have each other to do it. Honestly, if nothing else, it makes a fun story. So just remember that when something feels rough or embarrassing, it always ends up being a good story. And then the next thing is changing your metric of success from succeeding to learning. Let's be in a place where we are wanting to learn, where we love the fact that we are works in progress. And so it's, it's really not about the outcome or the success success, so to speak. It's really about how much we're learning and growing. And that's something we can take and apply with us in any area of our life Mm -hmm. and anywhere we're headed. So, yeah, I think with that too, I think in the pain and the heartache of perfectionism, we just really pray that this would speak new life and even would just speak the awareness that you are not alone in this. And I think that's something that we always try to drive home in every episode of like, if there's anything that we can hear or that you can hear from this episode is that you are not alone. And we mean that not only do we mean that with the sincerity of heart of our own experiences, but just to know that we as people who are witnessing our own lives and witnessing the lives of our friends around us, it's like, we want to make you feel as seen as heard as cherished and held in this, because we know that this can be so painful. And so I think just like, in the final moments, in the final breaths of this episode of just take heart that truly the only person that is concerned with your performance is yourself and just release that expectation that all eyes are on you. Release the expectation of the fear of judgment, of the fear or the worry of what others are thinking and just go for it. Go for that thing. And even in a different breath of like, maybe not, maybe it's not the thing that you're going to fail at this week. Maybe it's the, the thing that you could actually surprisingly succeed at. Maybe that's your framework of something that you want to try this week. Maybe it's trying the thing that you're 
you're so scared to do, but like, you know, deep in your heart, you really, really want to do. And we really encourage you to just invite God into that, like invite God to just love you in that space and to be with you, to strengthen you, to prepare you and to also catch you in the event that you do fail, but also know that nothing in life is a failure. It is all equipping you and it is all transforming you and refining you to just leading you to the very next thing that you may be beautifully good at. And so we just pray so deeply that for anyone who's feeling the pains and the struggles of perfectionism, that yeah, you would feel so empowered to tackle this head on and, and hopefully not just empowered, but also transformed to do something about it because Though it's cheesy, though not everyone likes to think this way, I think the new year does breathe new life. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to take a hold of the things in our hearts that are struggles and pain points and things that we're hurting in, but things that we want to transform. So we pray that this encourages you guys and invites you guys into our stories as well. And yeah, we just love you guys so much. For love notes, we left you guys on a bit of a cliffhanger the other week (laughs) where we were talking about our word of the year. So we officially both have our words of the year. I actually haven't heard Breeze, so I'm so excited to hear. I just want you to go first and share. You want me to go first? Oh my (laughs) gosh. Okay, so I actually realized I have been picking a word for a word of the year for five years. Oh, wow. I like realized because I was, I went back through old journal entries. And if you go to my YouTube channel, <laughs> you can find a video of a very young Brie sharing her intentions and word of the year for 2019. That's so cute. Baby girl. I was a baby girl. Um, well, my word of the year is tattooed on me now. I got a new tattoo for those who saw I did post it on our Instagram the other day. I actually posted it on With Love Always first before I posted it anywhere else. Oh, wow. For a whole week. (laughs) Y'all were the only people I knew. Um, But my word of the year is love. And I really, really wrestled with God on this one because in past years, God has given me such distinct words. Like abundance was my word of last year. And I knew that that word was... It was following after the word the year before, which I believe was like change. And every word was so specific and so true that when I received this word love, I was like, God, you're you're not giving me much on this one. Like, what does that mean? But the same verse has been speaking to me for the past month when I was praying through it. And it just has not wavered. It has not changed. And God just told me, he was like, Bree, this is your word. And I was like, okay. And so the verse is 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which some of us may have heard before, but three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I just think about, well, first of all, the significance of this is really grand because I, for years, have actually always written the word love on my hand. And part of it is because I've always loved this verse, but anytime I would need like to remind to remind myself that I'm loved or to even feel encouraged or inspired, I would always write love on my hands. And this is just happens to be the year I made it permanent, but I 
just felt like as I was praying, like God just made it so clear for me that this is the year that love is going to expand in my life. And that does not mean just simply romantic. I think I always have to like precedent that when I am sharing this, but it's just truly like, what is the most universal thing in this whole world that we are all craving and seeking? It's to be loved. It's to love ourselves. It is to love others. And I just want that to increase exponentially in my life this year. I want to love places that I have not yet been. I want to love people to depths I have not loved people before. I want to love myself. I want to love God. I want to expand love, receive love, be healed by love, be transformed by love, be known by love in a way that I do believe is so true of my life up to this point. But I I just feel like God calling it so fiercely in my life that that is going to expand in a way that I've just never seen. And I'm so excited and I'm so excited to even see how that continues to unfold in this year in ways that I truly don't even have a full vision of right now. But I just feel like, I don't know what it is about this year, but I just feel so expectant of the love that I'm going to feel. But that is my word for the year. And I think, yeah, I got a tattooed on myself. But I think the beautiful thing is like beyond this year, it's like this will always remain true if there's anything I want to be known by for the rest of my life. For the rest of my days here on earth, it is by the love that I have to give others. Mm. So that is my word. Wow, that was so beautiful. I love that so, so much. You love it. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay, my word, I do not have an eloquent like oh gosh, explanation okay. at all and that is because this word actually surprised me a little bit and my word was trust and so I went about you know my normal god give me a word of the year my word previously was boldness and so there's a bit of like a fire and a zest to that word and so I think naturally I was expecting that to like be amplified or like something kind of like abundance where Mm -hmm. it's like I'm expectant of something so it was almost something that I needed to receive and be reminded of when I was praying I felt like I just kept hearing that word trust and I honestly can say because I like found my word in December of 2023 and we're now a few weeks into the new year, every single day I'm having to remind myself to trust God in its entirety, but not only to trust in the way I once knew, but to encounter trust in a way that I've never experienced before. Mm. And it's just been wild where I am like, I was not expecting to really understand how important that word was so quickly. I thought it was going to take, you know, halfway into the year. And so it might not have been exactly what I wanted, but it's absolutely what I've needed. And that's what's so incredible about God is he always gives us more than what we ask for. And he gives us what we actually need. And I was needing to trust in a newfound way that was beyond my previous depths. And so I am clinging to the word trust and I'm already, it's funny that I like didn't love it initially because now I love it so much and I'm so grateful. That's my word. And that Mm -hmm. honestly is my hope. My hope has been trust and I'm just setting my sights on that this year. So 
That was so much fun. I'm so glad we got to share with you guys what our birds are and we still want to hear what yours are. We love you guys so much and we will see you in our next episode. Bye Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening. We pray this episode was encouraging and life-giving. If you found it valuable, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe. And be sure to follow us along over on Instagram at With Love Always Podcast. Signing off with all of our love always, Bree and Marissa.